Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. My name is Derek Graham, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. Hey, Derek. Glad to be here. We are recording this a day late, and uh, only because we want to cover a lot of things, so just for the audience. And today you're going to really put a solid proposition forward, asking us the question, are we ready and are our regulations in place? So I think it's a great topic. I'm not necessarily going to agree with you along the way. So we'll have a little bit of debate about it. But what I want to put in place first is maybe set a scene for this because you know, new technology arriving and regulations not keeping up with it is not a new thing to mankind. In fact, it's a very old thing. And I want to share with you the horse and carriage regulations of 1861. Yes, indeed. And so, so it's very relevant because the horse and carriage regulations of 1861 set in the, in the Locomotive Act of 1861 in the UK imposed a speed limit of 10 miles per hour. And anything that went above that speed limit of 10 miles per hour was subject to getting penalized. Other very important things in this horse and carriage regulation was manure management and exactly how you looked after the manure of the horses. Feeding and watering was a very important thing and animal cruelty laws were also important. Noise regulations weren't a big thing because they were basically making a minimum amount of noise. So you can see with speed regulations, manure management, feed and watering, animal cruelty, <laughs> how incredibly relevant it was to the automotive industry as it arrived. So, so the first thing the automotive industry had to do was to start putting, you know, the regulators started putting speed limits more relevant to the capabilities of the automobiles still nonetheless quite oppressed. Everyone knows the story about the man that walked in front of the automobiles with the red flags at the beginning. Then they worked out that unlike the horse and carriages, you actually had to get licensing for the people that drive them. And then the cars should be registered. That was another problem they had to overcome. Yeah. And then with that, these damn things, there were a lot of them and they used to rush along at a fair pace. So they started creating traffic signals and signs that weren't previously there because they had yeah. to. Yeah. And then, of course, they used to leave these things everywhere because unlike horse and carriages that would always have someone attending to the horses, with a car, you just park it. So then they had to put parking regulations in place because where else the problem was they'd park them all over the place. And then over a period of time, they started realizing these things would be pumping out bad emissions. And they also realized in particularly in the in the in the 40s and 50s that you know that the death rate was very high upon impact so they started building crumple zones and put seat seat belts in it and airbags and 
Then they realized they needed to insure them, of course, earlier than that. Um, and of course, roads had to be constructed to enable automobiles to drive on. This is the infrastructure that industries need to have when new technology comes along. And in this particular case, I believe that this particular technology that's come along, the world of cryptocurrencies, blockchain-driven smart contracts, et cetera, is operating on the existing infrastructure that we've got and on a set of laws that are still concerned about the use of storage of manure and the feeding of the horses. And <laughs> some of the regulations are relevant and I think some of them are totally irrelevant. However, they're getting policed as if they're relevant. The outcome is there's still damage in this industry, isn't there? Things aren't going correctly. Yeah. There's still regularly hacks and scams and and it's not getting correctly policed this is where you step in it because you've got some thoughts on it i'm keen to see how you're going to transition from the horse and carriage to yeah. this realm of of automobiles no thank you direct for that preamble and i think it it's relevant because a lot of conversation that we have in regulatory circles is around cars we talk about safety of cars, we talk about seat belts, we talk about baby seats, yeah. and we're no longer giving the examples of the horse carriage and buggies. So we obviously have advanced from that from that example giving uh, in context of crypto. But, but what made me think this week, Derek, is do we have the infrastructure, which I mean by technology infrastructure, the appropriate business acumen, the tokenomics that have consistently failed the industry, the regulatory infrastructure to protect the normies, the the end user, right? Because the 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 challenge the industry has always had is, are we really designing this for eight or nine billion people that the, the you know trying to address every aspect of this from from reaching every human being from Worldcoin examples to Bitcoin examples to say we are truly going in that direction, mm. and if we need to protect the normies, the common users, to achieve that mass adoption, because you can't really achieve the mass adoption till it becomes ubiquitous, exactly like cars an example that you give that people understand they need to park they need to figure out the rules they they have the engine they drive the entire apparatus that 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 helps the transportation industry function and so from that perspective i looked into a few examples this week and this is something which gosh we're 15 years in in this industry and some examples and i will make a counter argument today for what the u.s regulators as faulty and as slow and as archaic they may be in their approach has done two things i think it has not only prevented a lot of crimes that have financial crimes or crypto crimes that have you know from happening in the u.s but i think it also has taken a lot of sort of crypto companies from u.s you know to fly out to actually move out the all of flight risk to establish businesses in spain and europe and and more friendly jurisdictions so a few examples this week and i'll start with hong kong hong kong had two th two events that happened this week one was something called a mixing network. So mixing network essentially is, you know, they relied on centralized provider and essentially, you know, if you remember Tornado Cash was, was, was banned because of mixing. And so mixing network essentially allowed for interoperability. They allowed for assets to move from one network to another network, not necessarily get involved in, in mixing or tumbled like technologies. And interestingly was they had absolutely zero sympathy from its users because then they learned that they were relying completely on centralized providers like cloud computing, the Amazon, the Googles of the world. And 
it announced it lost it, they lost 200 million dollars worth of it and in spite of knowing the challenge the technical you know we've been discussing this now from 2021 era of the challenges of dealing with the centralized cloud providers the ability for them to lose control over time and the fact that you still have the vulnerabilities and the hacks that happen in that space that's data point number one so they're still not exactly more refined use cases not technically advanced they're still going after the basic low-hanging fruits and they still continue to lose money in magnitude of hundreds of millions of dollars mm -hmm. the next one also in hong kong the sfc the security and futures commission it began to now release the list of crypto license applicants because they begin to probe jpex which also you know misappropriated this is fraud didn't handle the they didn't they didn't handle the client's asset with fiduciary responsibility and prudential treatment of assets misappropriating 128 million from its users mm. now this is way past ftx and 3ac and what we've been labeling as contagion of incompetent the celsius you're still seeing these virtual asset trading platforms or VATAPs in hong kong engaging in these activities so that's data point number two Data point number three, you know, there's a you know Korean exchange called Upbit, and and I've been actually believe it or not, Derek, and I'm happy to expand on this. In the real world asset category, I've always uh, looking at technology design, which allows us to verify validate assets. So, say, let's say for example, Goldman Sachs decides to custody an asset with J.P. Morgan, and it's issuing token as assets. It's up to J.P. Morgan as a recipient of that asset for safekeeping and custody. It has to verify validate the asset. It has to ascertain the value of the asset so it can engage in financial permittance, whether it's dealing with risk or dealing with settlement and so on and so forth, because you're doing buying and selling of these assets. So the Upbit current exchange, get this, Derek, they got a bogus token, a fake app, you know, Aptos token. And there were people able to deposit this token and exchange them with the market value yes. of Aptos. Yeah. And the exchange didn't bother to verify validate, which is should be the function because these are public networks, to verify validate with Aptos blockchain network to make sure these tokens are valid without actually looking into Aptos source code and there's a whole issuance of token which can be verified validated on Aptos. And then the last thing I would say, the OFAC, our beloved Office of Foreign Asset Control, which is a sanctions entity in the U.S., it's again sanctioned a wallet tied to Jimenez Castro, which one of the Sinaloa cartel, the old famed fabled uh, drug cartel in Mexico. So you begin to see that we are sanctioning these wallets because we, and, and by the way, they were using Binance Crypto Exchange to, to launder money. So this money laundering case, this misappropriation, there is sort of technical faux pas from, from these players. So what I question from this is the direction the industry is going into. What are we doing here? You know, at the outset, when we all start this journey, which is why I got in, Derek, which is what you got in, 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 in formulating what we did, is setting out to build a financial alternative driven by sort of the shortcoming of the existing financial system, which is, you know, opacity of information, which puts the interest of the larger masses before the common people, the goal was to build a decentralized self-governing system and we are far from it because today's if you look at any headlines you look at you you can look at coindesk or you can look at blockworks we are constantly looking at federal reserve interest rates inflation the global macro 
crypto sort of hangs by a loose thread on Jerome Powell's statements. You know, we run the entire industry entirely, the liquidities from stable coins, as, as we've discussed here. And now we're talking about ETF galore, which is basically, you know, talk of regulatory hurdles and and all the applications. So they just begin to look and feel like the system that we're going to replace. So I'll pause here, Derek. And 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 there is, you know, we should we should figure out also what the fix is, which which I have some opinions on. But I just want to pause here and get your get your thoughts. That I see this happening as early as last week, and we had FTX three AC almost two years back. Having not made any progress, that's my question. And mm. are regulators not valid in their thinking when you still have these news popping in? And one could argue that all this is happening in jurisdictions that are crypto friendly, Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, for example, but nothing in the US. So I'll, I'll stop here and love to get your get your thoughts on this. Nitin, can you remember broadly the numbers of one of your presentations? when you outlined the amount of rug pulls and and hacks that had occurred over a designated period of time. It was a lot. Can you remember the number? It was about 380 billion on uh, collectively of all the f- fraud and hacks which happened in 2022. So the year of Just FTX, the year of 2022. Celsius, 2022, where the market cap of the entire crypto industry was two trillion, as you, three trillion, as you, as you recall, and the industry not only lost to fraud, but that had the downward spiral effect on prices as you had a lot of sell-off and liquidation events, which eventually brought the valuation in almost a year and I think it was 16 months to a trillion. So the industry lost two thirds of its value over a period of 14 to 16 months. And your thoughts are that part of that loss of value is, is the uh, logistical theft of these tokens and then sale on market and also the lack of confidence that came with the yep. theft and the sale of market not just the market, I would say the conditions they would have had a, yeah. an impact on it too liquidity etc but part of yep. it is that so part of that to me Derek is mm-hmm. loss of faith and confidence transparency as you know attracts capital mm-hmm. and when people begin to see what happened with 3AC and a lot of these centralized players the market took a pause there were of course the quantitative tightening, which is sort of tightening the liquidity in the market by interest rates movement, which also led to de-risking, which is crypto, of course, is a risk on market. And so like any other risk on asset, crypto also lost liquidity and stablecoin is a primary Ooh. conduit of bringing liquidity. So all these factors were one of the reasons why it went down to, and so while we cannot control the global macro because it has its own sort of, you know, it takes its own shape and form depending on global activities and geopolitical events that we've seen and the wars and the the US-China, you know, economic ties and, and, and challenges that comes with it. But we can certainly control the confidence problem. We can certainly yes. impose a tighter control to not rely upon this one way to self-govern is not rely upon a, a regulators to do this. Yes. And I, I firmly believe, Derek, that that I think, and I think Jilin, who is one of the you know uh, founders of a of a, a a a venture fund, talked about this, which I thought was very profound and very simple language. That it lags. So you know, while we have been always talking about the fact that that you know you know Web three, which is ownership led economy, 
it's about UX. It's hard for people to, we've discussed this on this show as well. It's hard for people to, even people like you and me who are, who've been in this space for quite some time to deal mm -hmm. with crypto and the private keys and safe key guarding of keys and figuring out as to how do we connect and, and not get lost, not be, not be hacked. Mm -hmm. And I think she talks about this fact where it's more about a product market fit. And product market fit is when a product satisfied a strong market need. And I still think that the crypto is still designed and meant for the crypto and not the normies, the common people. Correct. Yeah. So I think people get wrapped up in watching an industry and, you know, reading what's around them, looking at it safe at face value without considering its position in the context of others and the other industry's evolutions. I asked the question about that hack rate of some $280 billion. And now I'll ask you another question. How much of that was returned due to the efforts of the FBI and the SEC investigating it and making sure those monies were returned to the original owners? That's a great question. I don't have the number off my head, Derek, but I think that all the quote unquote hacks, these are theft related hacks, theft, theft, yeah. largely had, has been returned. So if you look at BitMEX, for example, the old hack and, and uh, the contention around what happened with what's the oldest one? I should know this off the top of my head. The, the oldest Cox. hack that Moncox, that's right. Moncox, thank you, Derek. Moncox, these are all still in the process of being returned. So they've actually been largely being able to recover these lost assets. Yes. So um, that's an interesting so thing because that is, they yeah. have been returned more often than not because yes. the wallet is tracked on a blockchain <clears throat> and the community is aware of it, not because the FBI are researching it, not because the SEC is foreclosing Correct. it. Maybe Mt. Gox because it's centralized and you can do it. But a lot of these other hacks have been the community that's been self-returning and closing off the opportunity for these hackers to utilize their tokens. Now, I say this because, because I think a lot of what we've expressed there, which is the frustration of the progress of this industry, we haven't considered the fact that most industries progress with the nurturing of the government or its, or its establishment around it during periods of time. They might not nurture it from the very beginning, but if you look at the banking industry, or the Australian Stock Exchange, which I have experience in the Australian Securities Exchange, they have sets of regulations that require directors to operate in certain manners in good faith on behalf of their, their shareholders and their stakeholders. And the fact of the matter is the Australian Securities and Industry Investment Commission regularly audit the exchange, companies, and, and accountants are required to audit the exchange and companies and provide reports. So how so far has the SEC been going in regularly auditing exchanges in America? Have they been regularly yeah. auditing and providing guidelines and, and provision of, of, of regulations over the last 10 years? Well, the answer to that is so, no, they haven't. What they they've have done not, yeah. is they come in after well after the fact, years after the fact, and then complain the consumer's getting badly done by with a big hammer. And they do things like turning around to, to Binance, by example, and saying, Binance, you've broken the law, now leave the country. Now, if they come into CDX or ASX in Australia and said, 
ASX, you've broken the law, leave the country. It'd be insane. But the fact of the matter is that they don't do that. And so the intent of the regulators is not supportive of the industry. It hasn't provided it with a set of guidelines to operate, grow and nurture. It hasn't protected those that have had their money stolen. Hell, really knitting. If 200 plus billion dollars have been stolen out of the banking system over the last, over 2022, could you imagine it? There'd be 10 movies made about it and the FBI would be all over the place. They're not because it hasn't concerned them. They've been involved with some, but very few. And so my, my, my position on it is that we're looking at it and saying the industry hasn't grown to a point where it's solved all these problems. Yes. And it has no friend to help it. It has no so guidelines I, I or regulations <laughs> to support it to do just that. It basically makes its mistakes, gets beaten over the head and then tries to get up and try to do it again. So, so, I really do feel we've arrived at a destination that's more than less the cause of the lack of industry, sorry, lack of government regulations and support given to it over the past decade, not over the past two years. And, yep. and if the SEC had got involved with this and the government started altering and regulation and looking at it before that famous stage of ignore them, laugh at them and attack them, when they were doing the ignoring, if they'd actually looking after the consumer and saying, well, literally we're worried about the consumers, these exchanges need to be regulated like a normal exchange. We need to audit the exchanges to make sure they're actually meeting those regulations. What a different world we'd be in now. Yeah. No, so Derek, I'll tell you one. I'll buy, I'll buy a few things that you, that you mentioned. One is you're absolutely right that all the, all the hacks and stolen funds generally all have been recovered or at least identified, the wallets have been identified and everything else, mm. including the last OFAC control on Ethereum wallet, because a part of counter-narcotic operation identified it, and they were able to pause and they were able to trace back the transactions, which was not easy to do because this just happened in January. Wow. And in September, they're able to get to this point, which in traditional finance world would take them three to five years, only yeah. because that's how long it takes them to trace the funds because they have to connect all the dots and that's easily available in the technical infrastructure. Yeah. That's so a I huge buy that credit point. to the technology, isn't it? It is. Huge it is. Credit. And I and, mm. and I give you the credit to bring to surface that argument. And I'm with you on that 100 percent Second thing that you mentioned, Derek, is also important is if we look at the jurisdictions that are quote unquote crypto friendly, mm. right? So I also agree the fact that. There's not been a lot of guidance. There has been a lot of punitive measures, whether it's mm. IRS or taxation of these or shutting down or having a, a such a burdensome requirement that a lot of businesses have shut down and moved away to other jurisdictions. That includes the taxation in India. That includes the IRS treatment of a lot of yes. a lot of NFTs and SEC's punitive stance towards a lot of these projects. So I I'll also agree that there's been less guidance and directive and the reason why they have to have all the movies and the systems go up and down when you have $200 billion in traditional finance, because the idea behind this slew of regulation that's been there is to treat these assets with prudential regulation. That means that you're supposed to keep it safe. And when the financial institutions fail, it becomes a systemic problem because it shouldn't be happening and it becomes quite public. And in case of crypto, it can always be waved off as, look, we told you so. 
you know, or I told you so sort of stance. What's interesting, in, in my opinion, is if you look at the regulation at a high level, you look at MICA, which is supposed to be established and Europe has taken the first step to give some clarity on this, or you look at what Korea has done, or what Japan has done, or what, what uh, MAS and Singapore has done. Derek, at the end of the day, all these regulations do just a few simple things, as you mentioned. You register your business with us and tell us what you're doing. And that doesn't do a whole lot, but it does let you. And they ask them to disclose risks. So they can disclose risk and no one reads fine prints, as me and you both know. They ask for some disclosure of entities so they can they can have a throat to choke in thing, when things go wrong in the jurisdiction they are. Yet, not many regulatory sort of agencies have given a true guidance for the prudential regulation which says how do we safeguard the asset how what what are the things you need to do as a crypto business or crypto financial business and do we then treat nfts and the other you know the promise of web 3.0 you know for example nft was meant to be enabler the you know meant to be an enabler of ethos of web 3.0 which is ownership economy and it simply failed to deliver a meaningful ip all except maybe today the pudgy penguins are now in walmart and I'm thinking, like, is this what it comes down to? That you build this pudgy penguin as a as a cute little toy and NFT, and it has to show up in Walmart, you know, shelves. Is that the end of this thing? Is that why we build this? And I still blame the industry, our industry, the industry that I belong to, the industry that you belong to, to take a few more steps to to be able to create a right product that has a better product market fit, and learn from the past mistakes to build some of these sort of technologies that enable a better product, which, which, which sort of, you know, which enables us to get into what we got into, which is building a much more sound financial alternative to the existing system, I think. Mm. Agreed, Nitin. You know, there's a, a really simple look at some of this, and that is that philosophically, when an organization or a government starts with good intent, good things come from it. And what I see at the moment, particularly in America, is the SEC has malicious intent. Its intent isn't to support the industry. Its intent is to shut yeah. it down. And <clears throat> the SEC has made that quite clear that they intends to pursue every, every single moderator, mediator, broker in the industry within its budget constraints to make sure they comply to the law, a law which in many cases doesn't work for them. You know, the law relating to 10 miles per hour and making sure you clean the horse's stables well. And so, so that is problematic. And then you look at the countries where they are creating sand pits, the likes of Singapore and the likes of, of Switzerland. And guess what you're not seeing? You're not seeing enormous hacks. You're not seeing huge scams. Yeah. You're, seeing, you're seeing a nation that's creating something that could be a viable alternative. I'm sorry. I, I, think, I think this industry is evolving because it lacks guidance and it lacks support. And it just has many different players trying many different things to generate, you know, <laughs> to utilize the technology in many different ways. Look at the countries that provide support and look at how well they do. I just hope that America wakes up 
and starts saying, well, rather than beating them, we'll join them and we'll start providing them with a set of guidelines to operate. A little yeah. bit of that is a perception now, and that is wrapped around the world of real world assets. And in part, I'm pleased that everyone's excited about real world <laughs> assets. But in other part, I just think it's just another train stop on a long, long journey of great things that this technology can do by the virtue of tokenizing real world assets. And I hope that in due course, all of these various opportunities, decentralized finance and metaverse web 3.0, micropayment systems, artificial intelligence, working on blockchains, et cetera, will all start aggregating, none of which is really relevant to current centralized banking systems. So I, I do hope that we see that nurtured and that grow. I, I hold doubt for a while in America, but I see great yeah. opportunities in Switzerland and Hong Kong and Singapore where we've just, and, and we've seen that reflected by the numbers that have attended Token 2049. Yeah, Nitin, you're, you're, you're right. There's, there's still plenty of navel gazing to do, isn't there? Yeah, and I'll tell you, I think to, to your point, Derek, today, just today alone, the Congress, which is which represents the American people at the end of the day. Uh, I actually had asked Gary Gensler, who is an unelected government appointee mm. and the chair of SEC to approve. This is a directive from the people of this country, or mm. at least the representatives that represent the, the American people to approve the ETFs. And there've been a few bills which have been, uh, this had just happened today. And there was a few bill introduced last week, which from Tom Emmer and some of the pro crypto sort of senators which and and the congressman which looked into sort of anti-cbdc bill which basically says this may this may sort of weigh in on the rights and privacy of the people so i think in some cases derek you may be onto something where the us may be waking up to loss of industries and 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 we have seen a lot of exits from the US markets to European markets and movement of business. In fact, today alone, DAS, the Digital Assets Summit, which was a preeminent institutional conference for digital assets, they announced their move from Washington, D.C. to London as a avenue to say we will host our conferences because conferences give a boost or inject into economy because people are traveling, yes. people fly in, they stay in hotels, they spend money and engage in the intellectual conversations is similar to what consensus was. Consensus was New York based and New York had a fairly negative stance on crypto. So they moved to Texas, which is where I live in Austin, because right. Texas was crypto friendly jurisdiction. So you begin to see some of that at a very minuscule level, that while that conference may not make a dent in Washington DC's environment, but to me, it's a, it's, it's a testament to the fact that the industry and the economy tied to that industry will move in a, in a favorable jurisdiction that is supportive that is aiming to provide guidance, as you as you rightly put. And so I think the tides may be turning. It's only a matter of time, I think, Derek. Excellent. I look forward to it. Is this somewhere with a remote control that I can push fast forward on? <laughs> <laughs> You're the right, F1 Nitin. guy, so I know you want everything fast, but uh, you'll have to wait. It's still going at the horse cart race, uh, Derek, 10 miles an yeah, hour. It is. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Wonderful discussion. I look forward to Likewise, catching up with you next week. Much will happen, no doubt, in the industry in the time being. And we'll see you then. And next week, I'm going to be from Barcelona because I'll be at Chainlink. I'm speaking yeah. at SmartCon. 
Yes. And so I'll I'll be reporting from Spain and we'll give you the the you know this week there's a conference in Madrid, next week from Stellar, from Stellar Foundation, next week there's a conference in Chainlink. Chainlink, as you know, is an Oracle platform. So I'll love to report my observations and learnings from that event, Derek. So looking forward Terrific. to next week as well. And I'll catch you from Bali next week. <laughs> oh wow. So I'm in Barcelona in Bali. We are back on we are back on on travels, which is which is always good. So yes, life is luck. life is prime goal is to accumulate frequent flyer points. At <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Nitty. We'll see you again All soon. Right. Bye. Take care, Derek. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or suggested topics, please contact Nitin Gower or myself on the emails displayed here or via our LinkedIn profiles. Feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. Stay well, inquisitive, and engaged. See you next week.